Welcome to Money Stories with LDT. I'm Linda Davis-Taylor, and this is Revolutionizing the Workplace with Amy Nelson. And for me, I really started thinking about being a woman in the workplace when I became a mother for the first time. It was then that I really think I looked up and I said, where are working moms? And I realized at my own law firm, which was an incredible law firm in so many ways, that there actually was not a working mother in my litigation group. Today's guest is Amy Nelson, the founder and CEO of The Riveter, a national membership network of community, content, resources, and co-working spaces built by women for everyone. The Riveter describes itself as a modern union of mothers, sisters, daughters, and allies fighting together for equity of opportunity for all working women. Together, we are a relentless force. In 2017, Amy launched this powerful company while pregnant with her third daughter, and today is the mother to four daughters, all under the age of six. In the spirit of money stories, today's episode truly showcases the power of storytelling. Amy shares more about how she's helped build a community where women share their stories and in turn begin to unlock a more equitable future for us all. Welcome to today's conversation. We're so thrilled to have Amy, particularly at this interesting time in our world. Amy's background as a corporate attorney, uh, particularly in financial services, is such an interesting background. And of course, now she's gone on to launch an amazing company that's so right for our times, The Riveter. We're going to look forward to hearing a lot about The Riveter and Amy's vision. And I love her her own words, the modern union of working women and their allies. I just think that's so perfect. And in today's time, um, her vision is that the, the Riveter provides a place to talk about societal and work-related issues. And while that's always needed, I can't imagine a better time with the situation in which we find ourselves this pandemic that has uh, jolted everyone's lives. And Money Stories, you know, as you know, Amy, is a way to broaden and include particularly women in this conversation about money and all the ways that affects our lives. And I'd love to start really with a question that I love to ask my guests a little bit on a personal level, because I think you might agree from your all of your work that we all have a money story. And I'd love to start just by asking you if you might share with our guest how you learned about money yourself. Did, for example, did your parents talk with you about personal finance with you when you were growing up? And if they did, what was that conversation like? So it's really interesting. Um, my personal money story is, um, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, my father lost his job. And before that moment in time, I hadn't really learned a lot about money. You know, I, I obviously, you know, knew the basics, but I was 16 years old and our family situation changed very dramatically. Um, and at that point, you know, I got my first non-babysitting job uh, and went to work as a hostess in a restaurant and I opened a bank account and I saved my money. And it just became a very important thing to me and also a point of pride that I worked and that I saved that money. And I have worked since I was 16. Um, I worked in restaurants until the day before I went to law school, but um, it really put me into a saving mindset. 
Um, and so I think that was really a defining period of my life. So at that time, obviously 16, you, you were a smart young woman. You could observe what was going on in the, in the dynamic. Did your parents have a conversation with you about the fact that things had changed and encourage you to get the job? Or did you pick that up on your own? They didn't encourage me to get a job, but they did have a conversation with me about how things had changed. And, and, it, and, and I understood, I was old enough to understand that part of the reason our lifestyle had to change so quickly is that my parents hadn't really saved. Uh. And so um, that, that became part of a baseline uh, function of my own behavior um, so that I didn't end up in that situation. Right. And that 16, you weren't too far away from that first big independent step, you know, yourself of yeah. thinking about what would happen after high school and college. Right. And all that. right. And I will say too, I mean, my parents are amazing and my mother also worked. And so, you know, we were very fortunate because of my mother's hard work and dedication and my father eventually found other work. But at the same, and my parents, I will say they sold our childhood house so that to send me to college because they're amazing people. But it just, it really, like something like that will really frame how you think about money for the rest of your life. Put that whole context into your adulthood. Mm-hmm. How about, how about uh, in college? Do, do, you, do you recall whether there were any classes or workshops or anything that taught money skills in college? I went to nothing in college that taught money skills, which is just wild to me when you think about it. Because, I mean, if you don't know how to balance a checkbook, if you don't understand what a 401k is, I mean, all of these things, like, and I do think about it a lot because ultimately I decided to go to law school and I was a junior in college when I made that decision and I took the LSAT and I got into top five law schools and, you know, I was really fortunate for that and I knew that I would be paying for it. And I, you know, I signed up to take out loans, but I didn't understand what those loans meant, right? When you're 21 years old, I don't know if you understand what you're signing up for when you sign the dotted line to take out literally hundreds of thousands of dollars and what that will mean for the rest of your life and how it will shape your career decisions. And I'm very, very glad with the path I took. But at the same time, I often think like, I really wish I had understood what that meant when I was 21. Right. So that's, this is, is one of our real interest areas in money stories it's trying to advocate for our world to embrace the notion of money skills whether that's in school or in families and i know that you yourself of course uh, i think for our listeners who might not be aware you're a mother to four daughters so if you are living with a whole group of our future young women and I think they're pretty young still, so teaching them about money skills may be a little future. However, have you started to think about that? Well, I think it's really important. Like right now, so my daughters are five, three, two, and nine months. And so with the five-year-old and three-year-old, we talk a lot about work and how we earn money when we work. And earning money allows us to live in our house, to buy food, to buy toys. And I think it's a really interesting thing that has happened since I was a child. I was born in 1980. I just turned 40. Um, Our children, we don't really often take them places to physically buy things with cash in our hands. And so how do you teach them about money when boxes just show up at their doorstep? Because we are enormous consumers of Amazon Prime and um, and just in, in general, the online economy for shopping because my husband and I both work and we have four small children. And so that's convenient. Um, And so it's, 
my husband and I have made a point of showing them money. You know, when they're little, I think that's something you can do, showing them dollar bills and coins and talking to them about what they mean. And my five-year-old loves math, so we do math with money. Um, and then also when we do take them to a store, and this is this might seem very strange, but when we do take them to a store, we pay for things in cash because I want them to understand the exchange that this is, you know, we are handing them this money and we are getting something for it. And so I think just trying to think about ways you can teach them when they're very small is important and helpful. The fact that it's just not magic. These things just don't appear right. when you click, right. click a button with nothing else happening. Well, you um, seems like to me they're going to be very, very fortunate to have your mindset as the journey goes on. And obviously, as you're learning about all the other developmental phases of, of kids as they grow, this whole notion of how they uh, embrace those those concepts and, and and as they get into their school life and peer groups and all of those all of those things mm -hmm. uh, i think they'll be so so fortunate and let's talk a little bit uh now about the riveter again this to me seems like such a visionary concept that now more than ever is needed can you talk with us a little bit about in your own words, the kind of impact you hope the Riveter creates on workplace culture. And I know your own experiences had a lot, had something to do with your vision. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, our vision for the Riveter is so big and, you know, I, it stems from a lot of my personal experience, but I'm just one woman among tens of millions in this country who hasn't had to navigate the workplace. And it's different for women than it is for men. Every single number and statistic tells us that, right? We know today that women are over half the workforce. And yet, we still don't earn an equal dollar. There are more Fortune 500 CEOs named John than there are women CEOs. Separately, there are more Fortune 500 CEOs named James than there are women CEOs. And those things should boggle the mind, and they do boggle my mind. Um, and for me, I really started thinking about being a woman in the workplace when I became a mother for the first time. It was then that I really think I looked up and I said, where are working moms? And I realized at my own law firm, which was an incredible law firm in so many ways, that there actually was not a working mother in my litigation group. And that, and I hadn't realized that before. Um, but I think it's very common. And the fact is we still lose almost half of women with college degrees after they become mothers from the workforce. And when I learned that statistic, and that is actually a footnote in Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In, and when I learned that, I thought, if, if this is true, this is the entire story. The system is completely broken. We all know it and we're not doing anything. Like this is one of the, our economy's greatest problems. Why aren't we trying to solve it? And that's what I really became obsessed with. And for me, what I really thought was all of the things that we need to change in order to move women ahead in the workforce, don't, we're not, no algorithm's ever gonna fix it. No legislation's ever gonna fix it. You can't legislate away bias. But it can be changed by actions that individuals and corporations take. And none of those ideas or solves are rocket science. But what it demands is that we talk about them, that women share their stories about work. Women do not share their stories about work. It's really interesting to me because, you know, when I got pregnant with my first daughter, I remember thinking there are 17 apps that can tell me she is the size of a strawberry this week at week 10, which I don't really care about. But there's nothing that can tell me how to tell my boss I'm pregnant. And why is that? Why do you think that is? Is it fear? I think, you know, women survive the workplace. And I still think, you know, we don't, and we don't, and we, we can tell each other how to survive it, but we don't tell each other how to thrive in it. 
And I think that most women want to thrive in it. And I truly do believe that most men in corporate America want women to thrive in the workplace. So if we shared our stories, if we told each other how to navigate pregnancy, if we told each other how we got that promotion, if we told each other how we shared we, we deserved a raise, right? We could change everything. And so I wanted to build a community where women shared those stories and where men could listen to them and be a part of it, where corporations could understand how to retain women, where brands that wanted to take women seriously and talk to working women could share their stories with them. And that's what the Riveter is, right? I mean, it's a utility for working women and people who care about working women. Are those um, stories in your, in your experience so far, are women w willing to talk openly about their own personal finance? Or you mentioned salaries and raises. I'm a huge proponent of that, of course. What about yeah. tough emotional vulnerabilities about money itself? I think women are starting to talk about it more and more. Actually, at the Riveter, um, we released pay bans for our own employees, and then we also put them on our careers site, our career webpage for potential employees to look at. And it's very imperfect and it's very messy, but the fact is, is that I think millennials will push us into the brave new world of salary sharing. Um, and so, yes, you know, right. for us, like if, if, if we know it to be true and we do, that, you know, lack of information is one of the reasons women are paid less and we're building a company to try to change things for women, I want to be as transparent as we can about how much we pay people and why salary bans exist and what they are. Um, and I think women are really starting to talk about it more, right? I mean, I think like there's so much power in information and sharing that information. And so I hope we all move toward that more. I also think that women lead in a really different way. And I've, I've really struggled to find my own leadership as a CEO and what it means, because I think with women, it's even more difficult than it is with men because we're meant to be good and kind and nice. And I mean, starting a company is impossibly hard. You have to demand a lot of your teammates and you do, and it's late nights and it's weekends and it's complicated and, you know, tensions can be fraught. Um, and I think I, I felt like I needed to be come across as like having it all together and being, you know, great at everything. And the fact is I'm not, I also have a bunch of little kids and life is very messy and hard. And I've learned that by being more open and vulnerable with my team, we're all in a better place. And of course, at this moment in time, where we're living in right now, with the advent of COVID-19, and how that's changing everything for everybody, and it's very scary, um, I found myself being radically open with my team, and it's changed our company on a dime. And of course, everything, you are already very skilled at using technology. I know you have multiple, multiple locations of derivatives. So your team is perhaps accustomed to communicating, not being in person. Has that, even for your team, has that been challenging at this time? Well, yeah, it's challenging because we're all isolated. I mean, I think there's, there's, the, there's the higher level of challenge that I don't think we're talking about enough, that this is, um, this is a moment of societal trauma, right? Like all of our lives just got turned upside down. And we read in the news every day that by the time this is over, every single one of us will lose someone we love. And that is, that's trauma, right? And so like all of a sudden, everybody is operating underneath this level of trauma and everyone is physically isolated. So even though my team was adept and astute at communicating through technology, because we are a distributed company with people across the country, now we're all alone. Right. Like, although, you know, I have a team in New York and a team in L.A. And 
aside from that, you operate by interacting with other human beings in your daily life. And now that's gone. So let me ask you something that's really been on my mind the last several weeks working in a financial services company myself. While we're, of course, so concerned about this public health issue, which, as you say, soon enough becomes a personal health issue somehow. What about this whole notion of uh, things happening to our personal finances as we speak? So as we speak, we can't avoid the stock market numbers. And yet, if you're like me, I feel a little bit guilty sometimes by even worrying about that. But, you know, what do you, do you have any thoughts about that? Because that's happening in our personal lives, too. It has to create stress for everybody, whether it's you or me, the CEOs, or every single person we know. I think it creates massive amounts of stress. I mean, I remember I was 27 in 2007 and worked on Wall Street. And I remember I'd had a 401k for all of 24 months. And I remember watching it just collapse, right? Like, and being so sad or scared, you know, that I put that money in, into that and that it had, you know, evaporated essentially. And now I'm 40 with four kids and a mortgage and a lot of responsibility. And so this is like, this is a very profound impact. And I know the way markets work and it's cyclical. And I believe that we will rebound and we will rebound fiercely. Um, at the same time, like we have our unemployment in this country is going to change in staggering and terrifying ways. As the CEO of a company that needs to navigate this, that is very much based um, today on in real life experiences, although we just launched a digital platform three weeks ago, which is also a wild oh timing. Anyway, but as a company like where today our revenue streams are very much in real life, I had to make very hard and very fast decisions and be as humane as possible about what we needed, needed to do to steer through this crisis. And I've had to put part of my team on standby and it's painful to them. I, you know, it's their pain. Um, as a leader, it's imp almost impossibly hard, but um, these are choices that, you know, every company in the hospitality industry is having to make right now. You know, we just read on, um, you know, that Marriott, first they furloughed tens of thousands of their employees that worked in hotels because they're seeing a financial impact that is worse than they ever saw during the Great Depression or World War II or the financial crisis. And it just feels like, this virus has brought the world's economy to its knees in a matter of weeks. And that is personally, I mean, that has a real impact on everyone. And it's terrifying. Like, this is a very terrifying moment. So, Amy, the, I listened to, as we all do these days, um, a message yesterday talk, talking really about the future of work mm -hmm. and whether it's the jobs we have now, whether we won't have them in tomorrow or in six months, but we know that this resilience uh, about thinking about the future once we adjust to the trauma, if that's possible. I mean, you yourself actually started this new concept, this new vision that's really a great example of what an entrepreneur does when opportunity and need sort of come together. And so I wonder if it's, it may be too soon for you to comment on this, but if we can take this resilience concept and somehow move into the future with that notion of I'm resilient, I know I have skills, 
I know that I can take those into a new concept. Do you think that you as an entrepreneur will be able to even evolve the Riveter in whatever way comes up? I mean, I do think, you know, so many companies and so many leaders uh, are people who have that bone in their body to adapt yep. and pivot. The future of work, it's interesting. I think this period of time will forever change the future of work. I think it's bringing a lot of companies who didn't think they could support remote working into a brave new world. And um, and I think that, that that will stay with us no matter the outcome of this moment in time. At the same time for my company, you know, I, I explained to you this very broad vision we had, right? To really provide a community and a place for working women to share their stories, to drive toward change. And our vision was always so much bigger than the physical spaces that we have today across the country, where which are very important and the root of what our company was and is. And so at the same time, you know, we launched a digital community um, where women everywhere and allies everywhere can access you know, the best of the Riveter and uh, share their stories and talk about the good and the bad and what they want to change and work. And for us, we've really doubled down on that opportunity in this moment in time, particularly as we all feel so isolated. If Instagram is for pictures and Facebook is for your family and politics and those conversations, the Riveter is for everything around work. Work is a central part of our lives and we should talk about it, right? We should talk about how to make it better. And for me, like part of this is, you know, the big root of it, everyone's like, are you doing this because of your daughters? And I say, I am, but I'm also doing it for me. I have 40 years left to work. I want a different outcome for all of this for me. And, you know, it's also, I think we need to start talking about these things in a different way too. When we talk about the pay gap, we talk about it as if it's a woman's issue. But the way I look at it is a household issue. Most in this country, you know, still today, most men in America are married to a woman. And so if that woman works and she's not earning an equal dollar, that impacts your household's bottom line. That impacts your children. And the average cost of the wage gap to a woman over the course of her career of an average salary of like $60,000 a year is almost $400,000. $400,000 to the average American is a different life. It's a house, college education. It's a completely different life. And so that is something we should all want to fix because it would drive more money into the economy. It would make the country better. And so like, how do we get there and how does the Riveter play a role in that? So it's really the future of work is the future of work is actually now. Yeah. And you're you're the future of work is actually now. You've been adapting to that for years and years. You and your beautiful four daughters are going to continue and your husband are going to have this amazing journey together. And your generation had uh, greater educational opportunities perhaps than mine yeah. did. And your daughters will be even more so. So it's as you say, it's it's a given mm -hmm. that the future of work is now. I, mean, I have to say, I'm so sorry if you hear a small voice in this brave new world that we're living in. Um, I, you know, I'm obviously at home with my children and my oldest daughter has come into the office. <laughs> well, let's welcome her. And, you know, hi. that's, um, it's outstanding. What's your name? Sloan, do you want to say hello? Sloan. 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 Well, Sloan, we are fantastically happy to have you in our money story conversation today. And uh, I know from getting to know your mom a little bit that you have a lot of great skills already. And uh, maybe we can invite Sloan back uh, in the future to talk with us about uh, about her money skills. That would be great. Um, 
But listen, I just want to thank you for amidst everything, uh, multitasking, all kinds of things going on for joining us today. And just as we're closing, you want to tell us quickly how readers can find you, can, can learn a little bit more about The Riveter? Absolutely. And thank you so much for that. The Riveter is www.theriveter.co. And from there, you can find our online community and a lot of content that we have around working women and what life is like for all of us today and could be like. Uh, and then you can find me um, across Instagram or Twitter at Amy underscore Riveter. Fantastic. Well, I know that um, there couldn't be a better time for us to hear from you and for us all to dial into the River Riveter. And thank you again so much for joining us. And, and uh, to you and Sloan and the other three and your amazing family, we need you. So keep it up. All right. Thank you so much. It was thank really great so to talk with you. Great to meet you. Bye-bye. Want more money stories? Check out my Instagram at Linda Davis Taylor underscore LDT to learn more about the incredible lineup of women on our podcast and share your own money story. Until next time.